Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is March 23rd. Happy Travel Tuesday and happy National Puppy Day. If you're a fan of dogs out there or if you're a cat lover, I think we can all agree puppies are adorable, right? <laughs> hey, coming up on today's show, though, as we always do, we'll talk what's trending in the world of travel, including the new and different return to cruising, the latest push from the U.S. Travel Association, and more. Later in the show, I'll be joined by Dylan Thuris, co-founder of Atlas Obscura. We discuss finding those off-the-beaten-path destinations and making the most of how and why you travel. But first, let's talk what's trending. We begin with the cruise industry news, as cruising is back, but in a new and different way. Celebrity Cruises will set sail on June 5th out of St. Martin, and Royal Caribbean will set sail on June 12th out of the Bahamas. Both will require adult passengers be vaccinated, and kids under 18 must provide a negative COVID-19 test result. As I said on last week's show, Crystal Cruises will be sailing out of the Bahamas in July. So we've got a new trend here. Can't sail, sail out of the U.S. just yet. So cruise lines are adapting and adjusting and finding ways to get back in the water there. And those Crystal Cruises bookings set a record number of bookings as soon as they went on sale. So the demand is definitely there for cruising, and advisors need to get ready to respond up to that pent-up demand. These moves do tell me, though, that cruise companies are doing whatever they can to get back in the water, a.k.a. to get back to making money. No matter your feelings on the vaccine, you have to see the good news in this, right? Businesses are going to be operating again for the first time in over a year, which will lead to the return of more jobs and travel sales. All good things that the industry needs. Royal Caribbean CEO Richard Fain noted that they have carried over 100,000 passengers on 150 sailings during the pandemic with only 10 confirmed cases of coronavirus. Psst, hey CDC, let them sail. It's clearly proven safe that sailing, safe sailing can be done. We've seen it around the world already. Let's get it going here out of these U.S. ports. Time will tell when that actually is going to happen. Uh, the summer season, the summer Bahamas season, currently is expected to continue through August for Royal Caribbean there. After that, who knows? Vicky Freed of Royal Caribbean, from, former guest on the show, friend of the podcast here, uh, told us that, quote, the world is changing. We know that day by day. None of us can predict what's going to happen after August, but I suspect cruising will be back in a much stronger, bigger way. Time will tell. Yes, it's going to come back. It's going to be big. It's going to be strong. And it's going to be new and different in the early onset there. All of this, though, does make me wonder, will we even have cruising out of U.S. ports this summer? Might they be forced to wait until August now? We've been in wait-and-see mode on the CDC here for quite some time now. And a friend of the podcast, John, the travel agent on Twitter, wrote, The no-sale order was much better for the industry. With the conditional sale order, the CDC created a false sense of hope, end quote. So what do you think there, listeners? What's your thoughts on the cruise state of the cruise industry right now, the summer season coming up, and uh, any any thoughts on John's comments there? Email me your thoughts. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the best way to reach out. I think Vicky is right, though. The, you know, the world is changing day by day, and the travel industry is doing what it can to try and get the world to open back up again. On Monday, the U.S. Travel Association and over 20 other organizations penned a letter to the White House asking the administration to partner with them to reopen international travel. Leaders in both the travel and aviation industries are asking for a plan to be in place by May 1st, 2021. This coming not long after the U.S. Travel Association found that travel's economic footprint in the United States shrank 42% last year, from $2.6 trillion to $1.5 trillion a deficit of more than a trillion dollars. That is an unfathomable amount of money to normal people like me and you listening, unless you're super duper rich and you're listening right now, please email me because I'd love to talk to you about your 
crazy travel life. Um, but out there, yeah, as most normal people, a uh, trillion dollars is just, it's hard to think about how much money that really, really is. And to know that, you know, U.S. travel, we have lost that last year it is devastating. Uh, U.S. Travel Association President and CEO Roger Dow said, quote, travel and tourism in is the industry hardest hit by the economic fallout of COVID, and the damage is so severe that a broader economic recovery will stall if we can't get travel off the ground. Fortunately, enough progress has been made on the health front that a rebound for domestic leisure travel looks possible this year, but that alone won't get the job done. A full travel recovery will depend on reopening international markets, and we must also contend with the challenge of reviving business travel. And to be clear here on this, on what U.S. Travel Association and this letter that they put up together, they're not asking to remove or reduce protocols like testing requirements, mass mandates, social distancing, etc. The letter stated, quote, however, the data and science demonstrate that the right public health measures are now in place to effectively mitigate risk and allow for the safe removal of injury restrictions. Travel supported jobs fell by 5.6 million in 2020. The travel industry desperately needs to get people back to work. This is unfortunate news. Obviously, we don't like to talk about straight bad news. I do like to find the positive and the good news of everything. So um, we do have some good travel news to, to mention here. Disneyland finally has a reopening date. It's set for April 30th there. It's only California residents at first. But hey, Disneyland is opening back up. Happiest place in the world, right? Love to see it. And in air travel news, the U.S. had 10, actually no, now 11 straight days of one mil, of over 1 million air passengers. They actually set a new pandemic era record with 1.5 million passengers this past Sunday. Love to see that there. Travel numbers will continue to rise throughout 2021, and so will the prices. So if you're thinking of traveling this year, book now before the fares skyrocket. And rounding out what is trending in the world of travel, some news on naughty passengers. You know them, you love them. These are some wild stories here. An airplane passenger tried to bite their seatmate's ear off. Um, a passenger had a vape pen catch fire mid-flight. Shout out to the flight attendant there who quickly reacted and helped put that out. Um, the craziest one I saw, though, this past week is the serial stowaway strikes again. She tried to sneak um, past airport security once again. This is like the fourth, fifth time she's tried to do this. This is Marilyn Hartman, a Chicago resident. 69-year-old woman, she's already serving out a felony sentence from October 2019. Uh, something went wrong with her ankle bracelet uh, at her halfway house, and she broke out and then went straight to the airport and tried to uh, catch, a, catch a flight that she didn't pay for or anything like that because that, that is her, that's her addiction, I guess. That is, some people you know, are addicted to travel. I guess she is addicted to travel in, a, in quite a unique way. Um, I don't understand how Chicago keeps, like you shouldn't even let this woman in the building. Like you should put her, put her face up somewhere. Like how, how is this still happening for this woman to, to be dubbed the serial stowaway? And then it still happened. I think it was like several months ago too. Chicago had an issue with uh, some guy stayed in their airport for like three months. So what's going on in the Chicago airports up there? I don't know, but that pretty much wraps up. What is trending in the world of travel? Any additional thoughts? Drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com. Now onto the interview segment of today's show. And now joining me on the show is Dylan Thuris, co-founder of Atlas Obscura and host of the new Atlas Obscura podcast. Dylan, welcome. Hey, Eric. Uh, thanks for having me here. It's good to talk to you. Absolutely, man. I always love talking travel and um, you have a unique insight to a lot of unique destinations and uh, Atlas Obscura. Could you just tell us a little bit more about Atlas Obscura and your new podcast? Yeah, sure. Um, 
Atlas Obscura as an organization started 10 years ago. So we launched the website in 2009, my co-founder Josh and I, and it was almost like an art project. Like we both liked to travel in this kind of more idiosyncratic way, you know, roadside uh, stops, you know, abandoned places, interesting outsider art projects, just a lot of stuff that like wasn't making it into traditional guidebooks we thought was like really interesting and valuable and worth highlighting. And so we, we launched it as a, a site where people could basically suggest places all over the world. And then we would like vet and edit them and, and, and put them up. And so from there, it's really just grown into this sort of multi tentacled beast. Uh, and so we have a database of 20,000 plus places that people use as kind of a travel utility and it's, it's growing every day. Uh, we, we have a original editorial team who publishes a lot of uh, articles, you know, sometimes specific to travel, sometimes more generally about that, although they often have a, a focus of place in them. Uh, and then we published a couple of, of books. Um, in 2016, we published The Atlas Obscura, which is kind of like a, you know, best of the best, all the greatest hits in, a, in a, uh, something you could hold in your hands. Uh, and now we run trips all around the world. We do, these days we're doing online uh, experiences and courses. And as of last week, we've launched uh, our, our podcast, which is running uh, Monday through Thursday, 15 minutes every day. Each episode kind of takes you to a new wonder in the world. So that's a, a lot. There's a whole mouthful there, but um, hopefully that gives you a feel for, for what we're up to. Yeah, all, all good stuff. Um, really intriguing, too. And I, I checked out some of the podcasts, too. Uh, the Gates of Hell episode was fascinating. And uh, the Museum of Bad Art was quite intriguing, too. kind of makes you think about uh, the cool, unique places out there that you uh, don't normally come across. Uh, a lot of people don't normally come across in there if they might just hit a big city or something like that. So, Yeah, I mean, I think our, the, the, the fundamental like philosophy and idea behind Atlas Obscura is... A, you don't have to get on a plane or go far at all to experience a sense of, of discovery and surprise and wonder. That actually, it's a lot about sort of how you look at the world and how you approach it. And so there are sort of wonders near and far. Um, one of those episodes of the first week was something that's like truly a mile from my house, but is really interesting and amazing. And then the gates of hell is like in Turkmenistan. And and I think, you know, there's... Uh, it's not really about how many miles uh, you, you know you you move or how many stamps are on your passport. It's more about how you go about experiencing the world around you. So that's that's part of our our philosophy. And and then you know we just like to tell stories about interesting places. A lot of travel is about the storytelling we do to ourselves before we arrive at a place. You know you have to ask yourself why do you, why do you choose to go to one place over another? And often it's that place has a kind of mythology about it. It's got a whole bunch of, you know, kind of uh, stuff that's built up around it over the years. And sometimes it's well-deserved and sometimes it's not. And you get there and you go, oh, this is not really what I was hoping for. And so um, I think we just approach this idea around like, there are a lot of great stories to tell and it's really valuable to get people sort of moving out from beyond just the main thoroughfares, you know, it's like rather than having 90% of people kind of going to the same handful of places, let's figure out ways to send people a little bit more widely dispersed and hopefully disperse that impact, both the good in terms of the money uh, and, and, and kind of the impact in terms of just the impact that it has to people to move around the world and to travel. So that's, that's all part of our kind of philosophy. 
I love it. Yeah, especially this this past year, we you know travel has been restricted so much, and you, you can't go to places around the world right now. So finding unique places around you is a good way to kind of get that travel bug, get your travel fix going on to where you can within your state, or you know when you want to travel into the future. And once we're post pandemic stuff, uh, you can uh, look for for new paths and stuff. So um, that leads to my next question: Do you think off the beaten path type destinations are going to become more popular post pandemic? I think they are already more popular. I think there's been a trend over the last, starting in the 1970s, earlier really, with things like Lonely Planet. Like you started to see this kind of diversification of travel and just more access to travel happening. And I, I think we sort of just exist somewhere along that evolution. But I, I think people generally, you know, you don't have to be some crazy adventurer backpacker to like want to have a meaningful experience and not to be in a crush of 50,000 other other tourists because that's not a very good travel experience. It's not a great experience of a place. It's not a great experience as a person. Uh, and so I think that's actually pretty widely held for most travelers. And I think people sometimes struggle to figure out how to do it. But yeah, I mean, I think people's desire to sort of have meaningful travel experiences, to come away understanding the world in a new way or, or knowing something new uh, is very deep. And, and that really is what people are looking for. Uh, you know, there'll always be people who just want to kind of book a package vacation and like those should exist and that's fine. But like, I think a lot of people when they travel want something um, more immersive than that, more kind of uh, deep, you know, more profound, I guess I would even say. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that's really going to come out of this pandemic of a lot of people being stuck and that pent up demand that we continue to talk about a lot is, you know, they're going to want to put that towards meeting. They're going to want to put their dollars too that they've been saving and put that towards, you know, a more meaningful experience and, and travel trip. So make the I most of their right. vacation. I, I suspect 2021 will be a year of a lot of road trips to see family and friends. I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a hangover even after all the vaccinations are done where people, it's just going to take a little bit of time for everyone to get fully back into the swing of being a human yeah. being and in, in, in space and time with other people. And, um, you know, I think international travel will pick up um, and we're already seeing it in bookings on our trips, but I don't think it's going to be a switch. I think it's going to be a slow kind of, you know, snowball rolling down the mountain thing. And that, and that come kind of spring of 2022, that's when it, the, the headlines travel is back are going to hit in spring of 2022. That's my prediction basically. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think 2022 is going to explode. I think it's going to be the busiest summer season of recent memory too. So a lot of yeah. pent up demand, you know, continuing to push on and, you know, we're already seeing some people, like you say, you know, bookings are, are good for you guys, which is good. And then I've, I've talked yeah. to a lot of travel advisors too. A lot of bookings are, are on the up and a lot of excitement about Q4 as well. We've talked about on the show too. Yeah. So um, yeah, good, good things ahead, brighter things ahead. So, um, just on the topic of lesser known and obscure destinations out there, um, what are some of those specific ones that uh, have really stuck out to you in your travels or, um, in your experiences that people should be more aware of as they're planning their travel for, for the coming future? It's time. Yeah. The, I mean, the database has 20,000 places in it. I've, I've been to probably 700 and some, you know, kind of, and like that includes the little things like, and, and the bigger things. So it's, it's not all kind of like you know, crazy stuff, but it's hard to pick favorites. I have some that have held meaning for me in at points in my life. So there's one that I went to when I was like a kid um, in Wisconsin called the house on the rock. 
it is this kind of crazy roadside place. Uh, are you familiar at all with the House on the Rock? No. So it's it's like a one of a kind location. Uh, if you're a fantasy fan at all, you might have read American Gods by Neil Gaiman, uh, which it features this as a location in it. And he said he went on the record and basically said, "I had to make it not as weird as it actually is, or no one would would think people think I was you know being ridiculous." So it, it's basically this collection of collections in Wisconsin. It takes five hours to walk through. Inside, it has the world's largest indoor carousel with the world's most diverse set of carousel animals. It has a giant room devoted to nothing but huge uh, brewery, like not machines, but casks and, and organs, like the kind you play. It has a sculpture of a squid fighting the whale the size of the Statue of Liberty inside of it. I could go, it has an enormous collection of automated uh, music rooms, like whole rooms that like you put 50 cents in and they like, come on and turn a lot, whatever. As a 12 year old, this place, I saw it on a road trip with my parents and I was like, this is the weirdest, most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And so that always stuck with me, you know, as I've done other travels, you know, I spent a year living in Hungary. I'm a huge fan of Budapest just as a city. It's a bunch of individual things I could call out, but I just, you know, I, I really enjoyed the time I spent there and traveling around Eastern Europe and, and, uh, into the Balkans. And, um, you know, the, I, there's a, there's a bridge in Peru that's, that really jumps out at me, uh, called the Keshwachaka or the last Incan bridge. And it is a huge suspension bridge, uh, like 75 feet long woven entirely out of grass, grass that like grows there. And so every year what happens is the four villages that live around there come and cut down this bridge and reweave a new bridge. Uh, they like take this grass and braid it and then braid those ropes into bigger ropes until they have these like huge cables. And it's very like swaying, you know, kind of like slightly scary to cross. But the thing that's even more amazing than just its construction is that this is being made the same way today as it was during the Incan empire. It is basically a functional piece of Incan infrastructure that is just being recreated year over year for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, 500, you know, 600 years. Uh, so I find that just like beautiful, amazing, yeah. fascinating. Every year it's a new bridge and yet every, it is also like this sustaining cultural practice that creates the bridge. So that, that's a place that jumps to mind, but there's like a, there's a ton. I mean, there's, they're all different. There can't, you can't really put, you can't compare them. It's not like, I don't have like a top, there's no bucket list for me because of kind of everything, like the world is the bucket list. It's too many things to like really define in that quite that way. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of travel in the world too, is you can experience so many different things in so many different places that are unique to that destination and that culture that lives there too. So I, that, that I love that. So just um, continue on like with high profile cities though. Uh, we talk about, you know, obscure destinations, but a lot of people do like to travel to the, the popular places. Uh, so what's kind of the key to having a unique experience in say like a place like Paris or London or New York yeah. city or Los Angeles here in the States? I, I think a lot of it is about uh, how you're thinking about your travel when you're going to go to that city, right? Because one of the things I think you have to acknowledge when you're traveling to a city like Paris or LA or New York or Berlin or wherever, you're not going to see you're not going to see that city. You might go and see the top kind of 10 attractions in that city. And maybe that'll sort of feel like, oh, I did the things. And, and you know, I think that can feel good for people. But I think it's really worthwhile 
adding another layer to your travel experience. So, so maybe focusing in on a particular time period in history or a particular, if you're like a literary person, focusing in on one kind of uh, uh, book series or, or literary period uh, or like a theme. You know, you could go to L.A., and really focus in on kind of the weird, like retro futuristic, like 40s, 50s, 60s period of LA, really focus your sights on that, focus your kind of research and, and, and reading on that and come away with like this really interesting perspective on that city. You know, I think when you try and, and do it all in five days, right, it, it can be hard to make real meaning out of that. And travel is a lot about how you make meaning for yourself. And so I would just suggest that people think about what their intentions are in going to a place and, and try and kind of come up with a rubric that will help them make meaning out of it. And that, that could be a, something totally different, like I'm going to paint a watercolor every day that I'm here. It could be a lot of, there's a lot of different ways into that meaning making, you know, but um, I think that is kind of the, the best piece of advice I can give. Um, you know, also it's okay to just go and like, get drinks and eat at nice restaurants and like have a good time. It's not like everything has to be like some big, you know, intellectual pursuit. I'm not, whatever. It's cool to just chill. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, the more you, the more you know what you want out of a trip, the better it's going to go. I agree. Yeah. And then it doesn't have to be some big grand gesture or big, big grand moment or anything like that, but it is, it is what you make it. And, you know, to each their own as well. I think that's why a lot of it's important to, to research, ahead of time. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm always an advocate to work with a travel advisor too, because they can kind of help guide you in places that you want to go and things you want to see and what you want to do. So, um, yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much it for me. Thank you so much uh, for joining Dylan, any closing remarks or, uh, comments or anything you want to make to, uh, our travel advisor, travel supplier, travel, regular traveler listeners out there? Yeah, no, I mean, nothing more than like, don't be afraid to like, take that, that left turn. Don't be afraid to just like, you know, add something to your list. That's maybe not, uh, maybe not obvious, but is interesting to you. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And how can people uh, find you? It's Atlas Obscura is the website and how can people uh, find, find you on social media? Is there anything else you want to plug? Yeah. AtlasObscura.com. It's the Atlas Obscura podcast. The book's Atlas Obscura. I am at Dylan Thuris. I'm not that exciting on my uh, on my Twitter or Instagram handles, but you can find me there. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Dylan for coming on today's show. Check out Atlas Obscura. Great stuff over there and his new podcast, the Atlas Obscura podcast. So that wraps up today's show. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Next week, Got a big guest coming up, the president of the Sum Company. Not going to say just what yet, so a little tease there. So you're going to want to tune in and check that out next week. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email to reach out. If you'd love to be a guest someday, shoot me an email. Let me know why you think you'd be a good fit, and uh, we'll see if we can get you on sometime, and we'll go from there. So that's it. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>